Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. But we've been talking just uh, really just some things that God's put on my heart. One of the things that I've been noticing that, that every message is connected together. And it's really about the urgency of the time that we're living in. That God is just desperately desiring to reach his family. Amen. How many of you know God just wants to, to reach his kids? He just loves people. And, and God gave us his best so that we could come to know him. You know, when it comes to this idea of God wanting to take care of us and bless us, sometimes people really have a hard time understanding that God wants you to prosper and live well in your life. But then if you look at Jesus being the sacrifice, was Jesus just a mediocre sacrifice or was Jesus God's best? He was God's best. And so if God is willing to give us Jesus so that we can have a relationship with him, how many of you know that God's not stingy in any other area of your life? He wants you to have the best because he's that good of a God. And as I said, he just wants us to begin to have the heart to reach people. And, you know, I've shared this, you know, if you've ever taken growth track, we talk about this. But have you ever lost your kids before? Some of you, you will. Just hold on. (laughs) You don't know where he's at now. Yeah, I thought she had him. Well, we've done that before. We've been in the store and it was back when we just had Grayson. And, you know, we're in the store and I'm thinking she's got Grayson. She's thinking I got Grayson and we both walk different ways. And then we get back together and we're like, where's Grayson? She goes, well, I thought you had Grayson. Well, I thought you had Grayson. And then we start looking. And if you've ever lost your kid, there's that like desperate panic. You know, your heart's like beating out of your chest. You're like, where is she? And then obviously all those news stories that you've seen, and you know, start flashing in your mind. And all it's like, oh, dear God, you know, lock down the, the store, you know. But you start frantically looking for your child. And if anybody was to ever help you to say, what's going on? You would welcome the help to find your child, right? And I can think back to when I was calling my daughter's name. I didn't care how frantic I looked or how cool I seemed when I called her name. It was like, Grace, ah! <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't care if somebody thought I was squirrely. I, I lost my daughter. But if somebody was to ask me, can I help you? What does she look like? And I begin to tell them, and she goes, I'll help you. That's what God is doing. It's like, will you help me find my kids because they're lost? And there's a lot of them. I want to come and I want to, I want to bring you all home, but I still got some kids that I'm looking to find. And he's just asking us to partner with him. Amen. And that's the season and the time that we're in. And, and, and just like my daughter, sometimes that's, what we're doing in life. When we finally discovered where she's at, you know, those little round clothes racks that kind of are hollow in the middle. She was inside and then she peels back and like, yeah, hi. And that's what, that's what oftentimes God's kids are doing. We're kind of hiding because we're feeling exposed or whatever the case might be. And God just simply wants us to be found. Amen. And so it just seems, it just seems timely that this is what we're talking about. It's time to be about the Father's business. It's time to really set priorities in our life. It's time to really grow hungry for God. And I know that many of us are feeling that pull. That there's just a pulling and there's just a tugging on our hearts. God, we want to know you. And I've actually been challenged with this question. What does it mean to be surrendered? 
What does it mean to surrender to God? And sometimes that's a difficult question. Because the more we surrender, the more we find out that we've been holding on to rather than letting go. Amen? Isn't surrendering sometimes difficult to do? Man, just ask my wife if you can have one of her candy bars. (laughs) Surrender is hard to do. (laughs) In fact, the other night I came home from wherever I was at. I think I came home from teaching at Bible college. And when I was down there, I came home. There was just a little bit of Diet Coke left in the two liter. And I got up and she knew where I was going. She jumped off the couch and raced me to the refrigerator. Because she knew that there was only that much left. So chocolate and caffeine or Diet Coke, she's just, she's, it's difficult for her to surrender. And so we're all in that place, right, of learning, God, how do we surrender? Amen. Let's pray and let's invite God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity just to stir our hearts, just to purpose to, Lord, learn what it is to be surrendered. To purpose to give all that we are to you. To leave nothing in reserve. To leave nothing back. But God, give everything that we are to you and to be used by you. So we thank you in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So this idea of surrendering, God's really just wanting us to surrender so that we can be used by him. And so when you look at the word surrender, just simply a definition of the word is to cease to resist. We've been talking on Wednesday night growing up spiritually. And we've been talking about the difference between spiritual babies and growing up in Christ. And you know what the difference between a spiritual baby is or one that has grown up? When you grow up, you stop fighting against the Word of God. (laughs) Right? Come on. We've all been there. It's like we know what the Word of God says and it's stern on the inside. You're like, but God, I don't want to walk in love right now. I really don't. I really don't. And so again, when we surrender, we cease to resist. We submit to an authority or we yield or resign in favor of another. We yield or we submit or resign ourselves in favor of somebody else. And so as it is purpose to search my heart, God led me to Ephesians chapter 5. And if you recall, this Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1 and 2, I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then I'll just talk about some of the other things that he mentioned here. But he begins by saying, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God, dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so as we read this and as we begin to look at some things here, there is a connection. And I'll draw that connection together or bring it together in a moment. But he first begins to say, be imitators of God. And he says, now, walk in love just as Christ did and gave gave himself for us. So the first part of surrendering is purposing to walk in love. And he says, in walking in love, he says, you're going to have to give of yourself or you're going to have to surrender yourself in favor of somebody else. But then he goes on to talk a little bit further just after he talks about walking in love. And he says, now, you're not necessarily going to like this. He said, your flesh is used to loving you. It's used to being selfish. It's used to living for yourself. And he says, so you're not going to necessarily like this. But then he spoke about Jesus and he said, it's a sweet smelling aroma. So in other words, he's like, 
God likes it when you do that. God just likes it when you purpose to surrender to him for the sake of somebody else's favor or for their benefit. God just wants us to learn to walk in love. But in order to walk in love, he goes on to say this next. He says, but you've got to walk in the light. And in walking in the light, he says, in doing so, you begin to learn the will of the Lord. Amen? Come on, I've been married for almost 20 years now. And I'm still learning what my wife likes. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, uh, I I remember, uh, if you ever have listened to Joe McGee, anybody familiar with him? He talked about when he first got married. And he said, you know, his family, his mom and dad, he said, they were just hillbillies. And he said, but my wife, he says, they were very uh, distinguished people. You know, they were very prim and proper. And he says, so I brought her home for the first time when we first started dating. And he says, when we walked into the house, he says, my mom and dad were wrestling on the floor. Just you know, in a headlock. And he says, my parents got up and he said, my mom's hair was all messed up. And she's like, well, hi, honey, come on in. And he says, that's just what they did. He says, their affection was just kind of wrestling and just, you know, being kind of rough with one another. And, and he said, she had this look on her face and then she turned around and went and got in the car. He's like, what happened? And so he went out in the car and she goes, I want to go home. And so he starts to back out the, the driveway and he says, what's the matter? And he, she says, we're not going to be like that, are we? <laughs> and I only say that is because when it came to my wife, my dad and I, that's all we ever did. It was wrestle. And that was the way we showed affection. We slug each other. And so for like the first 10 years of my life, I would like go by and slug my wife or wrestle her. And she's like, I don't like that. Okay. I don't like that. And so I'm still learning what the will of my wife is. <laughs> And now, now she's actually started doing that with me. And because I'm so on guard, it's just like, stop it. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> she's, come on, let's wrestle. I'm like, no, really? Because it always ends up bad, you know, <laughs> just no. And so we've got a purpose to learn what the will of the Lord is. To walk in the light is to learn or to know what the will of the Lord is. And then he says this, not only walking in the light, but walk in wisdom. How is it that you walk in wisdom? A couple of different things. We walk in the light through the word of God, but we walk in the light and in wisdom through the help of the Holy Spirit in our life, along or accompanying with the word of God. The word of God begins to express and tell us what God's heart is. And then as he says, as you get full of the Holy Spirit... Being full of the Holy Spirit is the way that you're going to begin to learn the wisdom of God. And then he connects it by getting around people that will help build you up. He says, speaking to yourself in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. Well, how many of you know that just the people out in the world aren't going to be speaking to themselves in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs? And so what he's talking about is hanging around the right people in church or get around your family. Because when you start getting around your family, it's going to begin to help you walk in the light and walk in the wisdom of God. They're going to begin to help edify you and build you up. Come on, how many of you just love our worship? Amen? Amen. Well, if if you don't know, we've got five people here that are actually going to Bible college down in Sterling Sterling Heights where I teach. And two of them is Jacqueline and Jordan. 
And so I've been talking with Jordan. We get together on a weekly basis. And, and the thing that I've noticed about him is that every time we get together, he's like, I can't wait to go to school. Oh, my gosh. Last week was, oh, so I, can't, I just can't wait to go. Well, what's he doing? All of a sudden, hanging around the right people, something stern on the inside. And light is coming. Wisdom's coming. And he's like, oh, my gosh. God is just helping me. And he says, I've had people ask me questions and I didn't know how to answer it. And he says, God is just filling my ammunition. He says, I'm learning how to give answer to people because people need Jesus. And because he's putting himself in a position of saying, I want to walk in the light. I want to walk in the wisdom of God. And God begins to fill him and the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate him as to what the will of the Lord is. Because he's purposing to get in the right place. Amen. But here's an interesting spin that God turns in the book of Ephesians. He says, now, walk in love, walk in the light, walk in wisdom. And then he throws this monkey wrench in it and he says, husbands and wives, I'm going to talk to you about your marriage. And you would think, how does that connect? But then he gets at the bottom of the chapter and he says, Now, I'm speaking to you concerning marriage, but also I'm speaking to you concerning the church. And this is a big mystery because they're connected. If you can begin to understand the marriage and how God designed it, you will understand the church. If you understand the church, you'll understand marriage. If you begin to work together, walking in love, walking in the light, walking in wisdom, you'll be successful in both areas. But he said, it's not going to be easy. (laughs) You ain't going to want to. You're used to living for yourself. And then he goes on to begin to give them some instructions as to how that works. How many of you know that marriage is not just a part-time gig? (laughs) I mean, some have lived it that way, and it's obviously not (laughs) ended real well for them. But marriage is not a part-time gig. It's full-time where you're purposing to love and walk in love with one another. And it's not always easy. But you purpose to do what's necessary. And he goes on to say here in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And every man said, amen, I praise the Lord. And that never goes over big when we say it that way. But in order, he's he's giving some examples. And everything that he talked about just before that, walking in love, walking in the light, walking in wisdom, he says, put that to practice in your marriage. But it's also connected to how you function in the church. So, in order for wives to walk in that way or the marriage to begin to work that way, we've got to walk in love, we've got to walk in light, we've got to walk in wisdom. And if we do not do that, marriage speaking, if we don't walk in love, walk in the light of God's word concerning marriage, and walk in wisdom, marriage becomes mechanical, right? You're going through the motions. You're just doing what you know you're supposed to do. Or we could say it this way. Marriage becomes legalistic. And have you ever heard any spouse say, you're just trying to control me? Right? Have we ever heard that in the church? 
well, you're just trying to control me. You just want me to do things the way you want me to do it. That's all about that money stuff. Here you go, talking about money again. Yeah, I knew that's what you're all about. Again, if we don't walk in love, wisdom, and light, it's all about the mechanics. It's all about the legalism. It's all about simply control. And God said the church is the same way just as it is in marriage. So when we begin to look at God desires for us to surrender to him. And really that scripture, when it's talking about surrendering or submitting to your husband, the word actually is referred to as reverence. Men, all we really want is to have reverence from our wives, right? For them to look at us and say, man, you're just awesome. When my wife does that, oh man, this melts my heart. You know, you could come and you could say, you know what, pastor, that was a great message. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But if my wife says that to me, that was really good. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm walking with my chest, chest puffed up. Like, yeah, my wife thought I preached good last night. Why? Because there's something different by what she says. When she reverences me, it means a whole, <clears throat> excuse me, a whole lot different. Or it means a whole lot more to me. And God's simply the same way. Saying, in regard to our relationship, he says, I just, I'm wanting you to reverence me. I'm wanting you to worship me. I'm wanting you to love me. And really what God's wanting us to do is come to a place of where we say, God, I'm willing to be holy. Because as I am holy, or the Bible says as he is holy, so shall we be holy. And here's what that means. To be holy simply means to be separated, to be sanctified, or to be set apart. And as I said, Jesus himself, he said, be, you be holy as I am holy. And if we're not walking in love, if we're not walking in light and wisdom, being holy within the church has been about what you can't do and what you can do. He didn't say be, or he didn't say do holy. He said be holy. Amen. There's a difference. And we as a church, getting into the mechanics, getting into the religion, getting into the legalistic side of church, we've tried to do holy. And God said, be holy. Just be holy as I am holy. When you're born again, when you receive Christ in your life, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and he lives on the inside of you. And the Bible says that he made you righteous. Therefore, you're in right standing with God. And God looks at you just the way that he looks at Jesus. He made you holy. The moment you said, Jesus, come into my life, the Bible says that you're holy. And he will begin to help you. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you will begin to help you live a holy life. He will help you be holy. And what that begins to look like is that as we purpose to grow in our relationship with God, as I'm walking in the light or concerning the help of the Holy Spirit, as I'm purposing to walk in wisdom and I'm getting the word into my heart and into my spirit, I begin to make different choices. Because being holy means that I don't want to do anything that hurts God. The Bible says, renew your mind by the word of God. If, if my mind is being renewed by the wisdom of God. And light's coming and wisdom is coming. Then all of a sudden those thoughts that tend to come. 
And everybody gets those thoughts. Oh, man, she looks real cute. She smiled at you. I think she likes you. Or the man at the job, he starts giving you a little bit of attention. If you give thought to those things, how many of you know that's how it all began? Nobody ever intended on things to happen. It just began by the first step. And you gave place to it. But if my mind is renewed, the Bible says that I begin to think like Jesus. And if I'm just simply being holy and not trying to do holy, when I'm purposing to allow the light and the wisdom of God and the love of God to work in me, when that thought comes, I don't want to do it. I don't want to give place to it because I don't want to hurt my wife. The same thing is applicable when it comes to our relationship with God. If I'm being holy, there are those things that the flesh wants to try to do or the cravings that it might have had, but there's something on the inside of me that says, ah, I just don't want to hurt God. I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want Him to be disappointed with me. How many know disappointment is one of the greatest or one of the worst things that we feel? You know, as, as children to your parents or spouses, I mean, you could spank them until, until they surrender to your, your rules. But it's just because you're conforming them. But if they see that you're disappointed, that has a way of tugging at your heart. Because, oh, I let them down. Come on, are you tracking with me today? As we purpose to be holy and live with God and purpose to be surrendered, we're just going to begin to live a life that, God, I don't want to hurt you. I don't surrender to legalism. I surrender to the heart and the love of God. Religion has always been controlling. Religion has always been about getting you to conform. God just simply wants us to have a relationship. When we have a relationship, I just don't want to sin against him. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, it goes on. And remember, he's talking about surrender. Surrender to love. Surrender to light. Surrender to the wisdom of God. And he says, all right, man. He says, I'm going to talk to you. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their, uh, love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. He says, husbands, you just purpose to love. In a marriage, you exist for the welfare of the other person. Surrender is in favor of someone else. Come on, husbands, what do we do? We purpose to go to work and work hard simply because we want to provide a roof over our family's head. And wives, I know wives work as well, but that's what we do, right? Everything that we do in this life is to take care of and for the welfare of our family, right? Isn't that why we do what we do? That's why we go to work, is for our kids, to give them a life. But isn't it interesting that everything that we've ever done for the sake of our families is done out of obligation? 
Listen to this. Again, I'm talking about from the natural sense of a husband and wife and a marriage and the family. But he also said this is connected to the church. 70% statistics tell us, 70% tell us that people do not like the work that they do. So in other words, 70% of people are unhappy to go to work every day. Only 13% worldwide likes their jobs. Tomorrow's Monday. And the alarm is going to go off. Right? And it's another day. It's another week. But you get up nevertheless. Because you're making the surrender and the sacrifice. But if we're not enjoying the work that we do, then basically what we've given ourselves to is legalism of just doing it because that's what you do. And as a result, we've, we've begun to live this life and have expectations, right? There's an expectation that alarm's going to go off in the morning, <laughs> right? You're not real happy about it, but you're expecting it. And at the end of the week, going to this job every day that I went to that I haven't enjoyed, at the end of the week, I'm expecting a paycheck. And when I get my paycheck, I'm expecting to have bills. And I'm expecting to have taxes. And I'm expecting that there's going to be just enough to possibly get by. And on top of that, I'm expecting to run the kids around and take them to all their activities. And on top of that, I'm expecting that I have to cut the grass. And I'm expecting that we have to clean the house. And then I'm expecting that I'm going to have to do it all over again. And we get into this rut. Of just expecting and doing things from the sake of really a legalistic way of life. But God said, be holy for I am holy. He desires for us to have a different desire and expectation in this life. We live life simply to try to get ahead. But what if we did it God's way? Living a life that is surrendered to him. As I said, this life seems to get so routine and mundane and repetitive that it's just trying to survive. But Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 33. If you'll seek me, if you'll surrender to me, if you'll walk in love with me, if you'll purpose to let me help you have wisdom and to be able to walk in light. He said, if you'll seek me in my kingdom and being holy or righteous... All the things that you strive for will be added to you. It'll just come. And so in closing, I want to share this with you. A story about Todd White. Some of you know who he is. Uh, We've watched some videos. Some of you just really have enjoyed his ministry, have went and listened to many of his things online. And if you've ever known anything about Todd White, he is just... Full of God and full of love. If you've ever heard his story, he's had a pretty rough story. And if there was ever going to be anybody that was going to be hard and rigid and just mad at the world, it could and should be him. But he said, when I found Jesus, he says, I got free. I got free of my past. I got free from the habits. I got free from the addictions. I just got free when I found Jesus because light came and love came. And he said, I found out that I was holy before God. And because I found out that I was holy before God, he said, I didn't try to serve God. I didn't try to love God. I just did it because it was in me. And the Holy Spirit helped me. 
And he said, but I made this determination right when I got born again. God, I'm going to tell 10 people or I'm going to pray for at least 10 people every day. And he's purposed to do that ever since Jesus set him free. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but he's a preacher. No, he's a Christian. Well, he, he, he preaches all over the world. No, he's a Christian that happens to go all over the world and tell people about Jesus. You're no different. Well, I have to go to work. Every... No, you're a Christian. So rather than thinking that you've got to punch a time clock for 40 hours a week and it's just a grind. No, purpose, I'm going to be a Christian and punch my time clock when I go. And let me ask you this. Because here, here's what we're talking about. This life of surrender. We compartmentalize our life with God. Compartmentalize our life with family. And because we're so segmented. And because life is always about the legalistic side of just trying to get ahead. We squeeze God in. And we end up really living for our days off. And if I happen to go to church on those days. Well praise the Lord. But you know what? I probably would like to live life for myself. And maybe go out of town or whatever it might be. And again I'm not criticizing that i'm just saying our priorities are out of whack but let me ask you if you was a person that said god i'm going to talk to 10 people about jesus today and out of those people help me know which ones that i can pray for wouldn't that change your mentality because all throughout your day if i've got a quota of 10 people to minister to then i'm always going to be aware of him i'm always going to be sensitive I'm always going to be asking God, who is it? I'm going to be listening. Who is it? Who is it? Are you here this morning? See, you wouldn't be caught up with all the affairs of life if being holy was to say, God, who can I share this love with? Who can I pray for? Come on, are you seeing how just that subtle change changes your priorities about your life? God, who can I tell about Jesus today? Maybe it's not ten people. Maybe it's just one person. And I can tell you this, that if you say, I'm going to find that one person every day, you're going to begin to be led by the Holy Spirit on the inside. And that first person you come to, you're going to be like, no, I can't do that, God. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. But God's not going to give up on you. Because you want to live a life that's holy, of walking in light, walking in wisdom, and walking in the love of God. And saying, God, I want to serve you. So tomorrow, the next day, he's going to say, there's that person. You're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You share Jesus with them. And maybe it's a good outcome. Maybe they just say, well, I'm not ready. Whatever it might be. I want to challenge you. Live this life with seeking Him. Because He's coming soon and people are going to hell. God's looking for His kids to come home and you're the ones that are going to bridge the gap. Will you do that? Will you start living life saying, God, who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to pray for? What if you happen to pray for somebody or say, could I pray for you? And they said, sure.
And you say, well, what can I pray for you about? And they say, well, I've got cancer. And the doctors say I'm going to die in just a matter of weeks. I can imagine how that would just set you back, wouldn't it? But you realize you're just praying. God's the one doing the work. And so you decide to say, okay, God, I asked for it. You gave it to me. And you pray for them. And they come back a week later after going to the doctor and they say, and they've got such a glow in their face and their eyes are full of light. And they're like, they said, I don't have any more cancer. You pray for me. And I'm not going to die. And you can say, yeah, and you don't have to go to hell either. Can I introduce you to the same Jesus that healed you, that died for you? Come on. Life takes on a whole new meaning. Life comes with expectations of God rather than the grind of life. Amen. Oh, God needs us. God loves us. And God so wants to know us because he loves people. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're that person that's been feeling the pull on your heart. And you say, I don't know him, but I know God's been pulling on me. And I'm not here by chance today. And here's an opportunity for you to receive Christ into your life. And so if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to give you that opportunity. In just a moment, I want to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you've just been running and you've been trying to do your own thing and you've been getting into the grind and life has been nothing but legalism and this religious living, but you want to come back into that place where God restore my relationship to where I can truly live a life that is holy. If that's you, if I'm any, either one of those invitations, if that's you, nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, pray for me, pray for me. I see that hand, I see that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else, you'd say, I want to make this my day. This is my day. I want to make a change. I want to follow God. I want to run after Him. I want to live a life that's holy. I want a life, a life full of life and not full of legalism and control. Anybody else, you'd say, that's me. I want, I want you to pray for me. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. So again, no pressure. One last time that's you can I pray with you for those of you that raised your hand everybody let's look look up I want us just to pray this prayer together because we're all purposing to pursue him amen and I'll tell you one thing if if you're going to choose to be stubborn and hard-headed say God I ain't going to do it how many of you know life gets real rough that way Come on, I'm the poster child of that. I can tell you. It's not fun. Come on, let's pray. Pray this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus that you sent him for me to die on the cross, to take my sins, to go to hell in my place. But he rose again. And I believe. Therefore, I ask Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I commit to you this day to live holy. 
and be yours. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.